Hey man, check this out. There's this uh, woman and she went with her husband to the doctor's office. Okay. And after the checkup, yeah, it's coming. And after the checkup, the doctor, he calls the wife alone back into the office. Mario, check this out. And he said this, he says, listen, your husband is suffering from a very severe disease combined with horrible stress. Now, if you don't do the following, your husband will surely die. Yeah. He says, here's what you need to do. Each morning, you need to fix him a healthy breakfast. You need to be pleasant and make sure that he's in a good mood. You need to, uh, for lunch, make him a nutritious meal uh, that he can take to work. And for dinner, prepare for him an especially nice meal. And don't burden him with chores because this could further his stress. Now, man, a moment of truth. How many would love to have this disease right now? Yeah, whatever. I digress. Anyway, and, and he says, that's not all. And, and don't discuss your problems with him because that's only going to make his stress worse. And, and try to relax your husband in the evening by giving him plenty of back rubs. And, and in fact, encourage him, John, to watch some type of team sporting event on television. And most importantly, satisfy his every whim. He says, if you can do this for the next 10 months to a year or so, I think your husband will regain his health. And so on the way home, the husband asks his wife, he says, well, honey, what did the doctor say? And she simply responded to him, you're going to die. <laughs> Yikes. All right, now folks, you know, I know it's early and stuff, but um, how many guys would say that that marriage probably wasn't going to end on a very high note there? You know what I'm saying? Letting your spouse die is typically uh, the dead giveaway. Okay, man, we are getting choked up this morning. That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> And folks, here's the point. If we're honest with ourselves, uh, how many of us can identify with some of these low moments in our marriage? You know, it happens sometimes, except hopefully the one part. But anyway, but apparently that's why uh, one guy said this. He says, listen, I sacrifice a marriage. I sacrifice a marriage all the time. I take my wife everywhere. But she keeps finding her way back. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, but seriously, folks, once again, <laughs> is this the kind of relationship that God had in mind when he instituted marriage back in the Garden of Eden? No, okay, is the great answer. Absolutely not. Now, we need to acknowledge that Adam and Eve blew it for the chances of having a perfect marriage. But the good news, Christian, is that even though you and I may never have a perfect marriage, that does not mean we have to resign ourselves to a life of personal pain and silent suffering. It just means it's going to take some time and it's going to take some work. Okay, why? Because contrary to the lie of society, marriages are not made in heaven. Marriages are made, they're built right where? On earth. Therefore, we're going to continue in our study, a marriage built to last. That's right. We've already seen that first step in building that lasting marriage was to acknowledge that men and women are different. Oz Mikhailov, they've got it. How many weeks, Oz? Ten. Give me, scored some points. You got it. Ten weeks. That's right. Uh, I guess I won't tell them we've rehearsed that, but anyway, I guess I did. But anyway, the second step, I'm here for you, bud. We've got to stick together. Uh, the second step we need to acknowledge is, hello, uh, the love is an action, not just a feeling. The third step, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You still could use some hello romance once in a while. The fourth step we saw was the need to have some good uh, communication, okay? Uh, effective communication, as we saw there. And then if you were here last time, we saw the fifth step was the need for reconciliation, which we saw is defined as to come back together again in love and friendship and the issue is we're going to have trials that's okay welcome to life you just need to communicate and it leads to this point all your communication needs to lead to coming back together again if that's going to happen we have to stop giving in to false expectations we have to stop delaying about the issue we got to certainly stop retaliating eye for an eye and the tooth for a tooth and being one of those people who's always right and never makes a problem excuse me and most importantly we have to stop playing the game of refusing to hold back forgiveness that is the absolute highest 
height of hypocrisy, the scripture says, praise God for the cross of Jesus Christ. We are to forgive one another just as in Christ God has forgiven us. How many sins has God forgiven us? Oh, I didn't even have to do the fake voice. That's awesome. Praise God. Okay. Therefore, amongst each other, certainly husbands and wives, how much are we supposed to forgive? The same. Okay. You need to seal the deal and do it the right way. But that's not all. Bobby, I'm still preaching on it. So guess what? That's close enough for me. Give it up for Bobby. That's right. And there is. <laughs> the sixth step is we have to have this acknowledgement of the need for honor. We need to treat each other like it's that special day every day as if we just won the big trophy. That's how we need to treat each other. But once again, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. We need to honor one another, folks. Okay. Romans chapter 12 is our opening text. Romans chapter 12. Of course, Romans was written to Romans. Okay, chapter 12, let's take a look at what's going on there. Verses 9 through 10, just a quick text here. There's a whole litmus of great uh, godly behavior that Paul starts to rip through here in the context that we certainly need to pay attention and to emulate. Again, it's there for our benefit. Uh, But here in the section here on love and the importance of loving one another, certainly in the context with the church as Christians, what a concept. Okay, but also certainly as husbands and wives. Okay, here's what he says. The first thing, verse 9, about love. He says, love must be fake. No, it says it must be sincere. In fact, you need to hate what is evil. Don't play with it. Don't go there. Hate what is evil, but you need to cling to that which is good. Okay, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Well, how? Well, here's what you do. You honor one another. Listen, it doesn't just say honor one another. Honor one another, what? Above yourself. That's not what society says, is it? No, self comes first, and boy, is that the problem, okay? Folks, according to our text, the Bible is clear. We are not just to pretend to love one another, but rather the Bible says we need to show a genuine affection for one another, right? Again, the context is the church, but certainly I would say uh, affects and is uh, applicable uh, to husbands and wives, certainly as Christians, husbands and wives, okay? We need to do it by honoring one another, Okay. Now the word honor there means to show respect. Listen to this, to value another person. Showing respect, yes, but you need to go out of your way, above yourself, above myself. You need to figure out how you can say, I value you. To value another person. Okay, but if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time, uh, we're doing just the opposite. And we say, oh yeah, I value my spouse, I value them, that's all right. But when we start speaking these uh, words out, they seem to work towards our own be, uh, a favor, okay? Like this lady, she was making this statement. She says, uh, now when it comes to women, she says women are honest, they're loyal, and they're forgiving. They're smart, knowing that knowledge, yeah, I've got ways to go. Uh, their, their knowledge is power, uh, but they still know how to use their softer side to make a point. Women want the best for their family, their friends, and themselves. Their heart breaks when a friend dies. They have sorrow at the loss of a family member, and yet they're strong when they think there is no strength left. A woman uh, can make a romantic evening unforgettable. And women, they come in all shapes and sizes and colors. And they live in homes and apartments and cabins. They, they drive, fly, walk, run, even email just to show how much they care about you. The heart of a woman is what makes the world spin. Women do much more than give birth. Uh, they bring joy and hope. They give compassion and ideals. They give moral support to their family and friends. And listen, all they want back is a hug and a smile and for you to do the same uh, to the people that you come in contact with. And men, she says, men are good at lifting heavy stuff and killing spiders. <laughs> now listen, come on. Let's put it in pre- I'm not just saying she says I'm a guy, I are one. 
Okay? Uh, but I think uh, ladies' men are a little bit more valuable, Tom, than just lifting and squishing things. Okay? And bring that out in humor to really bring home the point. It's this natural tendency to listen to the lies of our world and value ourselves first and above the other person is what creates havoc in our marriages. Okay? Not just once in a while, a lifetime of troubles in our marriages. Okay? So the Bible says, here's the cure to that, folks. Listen, you are to not just honor one another, you are to excel at it. You are to be delighted in doing it, even to the point where, listen, you have made it a top priority in your life. That's what he says above yourselves. Why? Because here's what I've learned. In our relationships, certainly in our marriages, listen, if you don't honor one another from the start, eventually it's going to lead to a shriveled heart. If you don't honor one another from the start, it is going to lead to that shriveled heart. Here's how it works. Every time we dishonor our spouse, listen, we take the wind out of their sails. We, in essence, say they are not valuable to us. They are not important. They are not worthy of our respect. And listen, the longer this goes on, you may not see it. But inside, the longer this goes on, the more the heart begins to shrivel and the more it begins to dry up. Altogether, And this is why, if you've ever seen this happen to couples, guys, this is why it takes a few months, not years, it takes only a few months of disrespecting, devaluing your spouse to turn that new, exciting, vibrant marriage into that dry, stale, boring relationship. It doesn't take that long. Why? Because we didn't do what the scripture said to do. We didn't delight. We didn't make it a top priority to honor one another, okay? Therefore, to protect us from having this uh, shriveled marriage and these shriveled hearts between each other, I said we better take a look at some practical ways. Well, how do you do that then? How do you honor the other person effectively? That's a good idea. What do you guys think? Thanks, Tom. We're going to do it anyway, but uh, thanks for cruising with me. The first way we do it, folks, it's really easy. You don't necessarily have to go buy something. Okay, listen. The first way that we honor our spouse is with our words. Ooh, that's the problem, isn't it? It's also the easiest way to do the opposite. And that's what James says. James chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. He says, man, you better pay attention to your mouth. Okay? He says this. He says, so also the tongue is a small Okay, but what enormous damage that thing can do. Have you noticed that? Okay, he says, listen to this. He said, that thing, in fact, is full of wickedness, man. It can ruin your whole life. It can turn the entire course of your life, your marriage, dare I say, into a blazing flame of destruction. Why? Because it's set on fire by hell itself. That's what the text says. And I don't think he's talking about just a spicy burrito and bad breath there, folks. He's talking about it is going to create a whole mess of trouble. It's really what the point is what he's talking about there, okay? And here's the point, folks. Those are some pretty strong words about the power of our words, right? And if we're honest with ourselves, folks, this is pretty basic. Our words are one of the easiest ways to honor or, unfortunately, dishonor our spouse, okay? So if we're going to have healthy marriages, we've got to have a healthy mouth, Right? You've got to pay attention to what comes out of your mouth, okay? And the first thing you need to do if you're going to have a healthy mouth for a healthy marriage and honor one another is you need to stop cutting each other down. Stop it. Folks, I don't know if you've learned this or not, but there are just certain things you do not say to your spouse. Men, pay attention. There's certain things you don't say to your wife, all right? If you don't believe me, this guy shares the truth. Let's take a look. Hey, honey, have you gained some weight in your rear end? The dress you wear reminds me of my old girlfriend. And where'd you get those shoes? I think they're pretty lame. Would you stop talking because I'm trying to watch the game? If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, 
These are the things you don't say to your wife. I planned a hunting trip next week on your birthday. I didn't ask you, but I knew it'd be okay. Go make some dinner while I watch this fishing show. I taped it over our old wedding video. If you're a man who've done that, a long and happy life, there's all the pleasures to you. Solo. Okay. Your cooking is okay, but not like mother makes. The diamond in the ring I bought you is a fake. Your eyes look puffy, dear. Are you feeling ill? Happy anniversary, I bought you a treadmill. <laughs> You're a man who wants to live a long and happy life. That too is all the things you don't say to me. You're a man who doesn't want to get killed with a knife. These are the things you don't say to me. Now, how many of you guys can agree there, there's just certain things you don't say? You know what I'm saying? If you live long enough, you learn that one, okay? Spouse, husband, wife, it doesn't matter even if you're making up a song, okay? And in all seriousness, here's what I've learned, what, what makes it hard. I mean, we know the obvious ones, the zingers that really hurt. I mean, we know that, okay? But what makes it hard is sometimes, whether it's a song like that or just a words in general, we try to excuse it away as being funny. We say that thing that cuts them, but then we say, oh, come on, listen, I was just kidding, man. I mean, come on, we're just joking. I mean, just lighten up. Get a sense of humor, will you? And folks, it's one thing to joke around between spouses in private, but listen, it's another thing to do it in public. Double negative points. Okay, for instance, one guy, he shared at a company party that his wife not only dresses to kill, she cooks the same way too. Yeah, well, this got another guy going. He says, yeah, he says, yeah. He says, well, my wife, she drives like a lightning bolt. And the other guy says, what, because she drives so fast? He says, no, it's because she hits trees. Right? And grand for us with ourselves, you know, that, that's kind of funny, okay? Yeah, yeah, you know. It gets other people into it, okay? But usually, folks, here's the issue. It's not at all funny to the person who's being talked about, okay? Especially if it's you. Listen, doubly especially so if it's done in public. And that's why whoever said this statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Liar! <laughs> I mean, come on. You're either a mannequin or you're fake. That's a lie. They hurt. Okay, the truth is, folks, all it takes is one negative word. I can give you one example. It has nothing to do with marriage. Remember that statement from that teacher growing up? Or maybe even your own parents. Or that person that you open your heart to that said that thing. And right now, as I even say this, you still remember it. And it's still stinking hurts, doesn't it? One negative word sticks in your brain for a lifetime. It can cause serious damage to your soul. Listen, as well as your marriage. Why? Because it's very dishonoring. So we've got to stop that. Okay? The second thing, the second healthy thing we need to do with our mouth, not flip it around. Not only stop uh, cutting each other down, do something positive with it. That's what James is talking about. And start cultivating a sense of being special. And believe it or not, this is what uh, is said in this passage here. Song of Solomon, once again, this, this wonderful book here. Lots of romance going on. And they said this, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 through 3 says this, Like a lily among the thorns. What a contrast. Lily among the thorns is my darling among the maidens. Like an apple tree, whoa, among the trees of the forest. Out in the middle of nowhere, there's an apple tree. Is my lover among the young men. Wow. 
Now, folks, once again, if you recall, in our beginning, we saw those word pictures we need to communicate sometimes with, and the Bible uses all of them uh, a, lot of, a lot of times, and this is what we see here. Uh, they're using a word picture, what? To describe and to say how special, with their words, their loved one is. And they said the first example was, they're as eye-catching, as a, a lily, right in the middle of a bed of thorns. Whoa. They're, they're as refreshing and unique as finding, whoa, an apple tree. A refreshing, awesome apple tree right in the middle of a, of a dark forest, okay? And I kid you not, the first time that Brandy and I came across this scripture, this is back in California, hopefully you remember, honey. But uh, uh, I, I immediately had to change it into modern terms that work for her and I in our relationship. And you might have to do the same thing, okay? Because the lily and the thorn thing, it just didn't work, okay? So, so I, did, I, I literally, I was in the car and I, I turned to Brandy and I says, honey, I says, you're not just a lily among thorns. You're a cheeseburger in, the, in a bucket of chicken. <laughs> you got her, huh? Yeah. And, if you, and you go, what? Well, if you know anything about me and how much I love cow and hate that other thing. I mean, this was obviously being creative with a word picture. How much my wife is special with me, right? Okay, and here's the point, folks. Believe it or not, I'm telling you, it doesn't cost nothing. It's free. You just speak it. You're creative. Okay, this is one of the easiest ways to add life to your marriage is with your mouth. And I know it might seem kind of goofy at first. You guys might have to come up with your own contrasting things. Okay? But do it anyway. And don't do it just once in a while. Don't do it when you want something or you know you're in trouble. Do it consistently and you will see consistent results. Billy Sunday, he said this. He says, try praising your wife, men. Try praising your wife, even if it frightens her at first. Okay? Why? Because think about the effects. Listen, here's the point husband or wives can you imagine what would happen if we spent the same amount of time praising our spouse Woo! cheeseburger bucket of chicken what would happen if we spent the same amount of time praising our spouse as we just normally do picking them apart what effect would that have on a relationship Maybe in the beginning you might frighten them, but do it anyway, okay? Here's the point, because here's what happens. This is why it makes such a huge impact. Because when we start giving special words to our spouse, they start feeling special. It's a neat concept. And then when they start feeling special, it protects their heart from becoming shriveled. Because here's the truth, folks, whether you realize or not. It's internally, you don't see it. You'll eventually see the effects outwardly. But the words coming out of our mouths, the scripture says, Christian needs to be beneficial, not detrimental. Why? Because the path to a shriveled heart and a dried up marriage oftentimes begins with the mouth. You've got to get a control on that thing. The second way that we honor one another is we back it up with our behavior is by our actions. And that's a classic axiom, right? You know, so don't just say it, you what? Do it or show it okay. And you don't just say that your spouse is special. You need to back it up sometimes with your actions, okay? And one of the actions, there's a multitude of ways that you can do that. But I'm telling you, this doesn't cost anything either. This is another freebie, okay? Is by your greeting. Just how you greet your spouse when they come home is huge. In fact, the early church was seriously hooked on greeting. Let's just take a look at one passage, Romans 16, verses 3 through 16. See if you could see what particular behavior the early church apparently excelled at. All right, let's take the test. Uh, Paul says this, Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. 
greet Prissa and Aquila. He says, and also greet the church that's in their house. Greet Epinetus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who's worked hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junius and my kinsmen and fellow prisoners who are outstanding among the apostles who are also in Christ uh, before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. And greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. And Stachius, my beloved. And greet Apellus, the approved in Christ. And greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. And greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet those of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who's also worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, he's a choice man in the Lord. And his mom and, and mine. Greet Asyncretus and Phlegon and Hermes and Petrobus and Hermas and, and the brethren with them. And, and in fact, greet uh, Philogius and Julia and Nerus and his sister and Olympus and, and all the saints who are with them. In fact, greet one another with the holy kiss. And, oh, by the way, all the churches of Christ greet you. Now, folks, I don't know if you caught on there, but apparently, uh, and I don't think it's a secret hidden cone here, uh, but apparently the early church excelled in something. There's a certain behavior that they did between each other. And can anybody guess maybe what that was? Greetings. Greetings. Whoa. Why would the early church be so hooked on greeting one another? Folks, I'm telling you, this is huge in our relationships. And if you don't do it right, it's a huge way to dishonor one another, okay? The word greet here comes from the Greek word aspazomai. Let's say that. That's close. I asked you to say that, Bobby, but she tried the other one. But that's good. You're going to get there. Aspazomai. Doesn't that sound like a fancy Italian ice cream? Hey, honey, would you like a cup of spa? Yeah, whatever. It's aspazomai, and it means this. Listen, to bid welcome or to receive joyfully. Keywords there. To receive joyfully. Okay? And folks, this is what we are to do in our relationships just amongst Christians. Yeah, you're here, you're back, right? Sunday, Wednesday, whenever we meet. But certainly as husbands and wives, right? Why? Because folks, listen, uh, every time we see our spouse, we are called to receive them joyfully. We are to greet them, listen, with high esteem. Like like this guy said his wife did. There was these two guys uh, talking one day. And the first guy said to the other, he says, listen, my wife, my wife, she thinks so much of me, listen to this, ladies, that she won't let me do any of the housework around the house. It's incredible. Yeah. And the second guy says, that's nothing, man. My wife, she thinks I'm God. She says, what? You, what thinks you're God? What makes you say that? He said, easy. Every night she places a burnt offering before me. <laughs> hey, at least he's positive. You know what I'm saying? He's thinking ahead. He's positive. You know, and he's trying to make... Yeah, whatever. Here's the point, folks. Fortunately, the Bible does not say that we need to sacrifice a burnt offering to each other. But listen, the Bible, I would say, confidently says we need to sacrifice not just a greeting. We need to sacrifice a joyful greeting when they come home. Why? Because listen, your marriage might not be the only thing that's headed up in smoke. But so is your relationship day after day after day. Why? Because listen, guys, we all know this. There's nothing worse, man. There's nothing worse. You could say, oh, I love you, and do a cheeseburger, bucket of chicken. And then they finally come home. There's nothing worse, listen, than coming home and instead of getting a joyful greeting, yeah, you get this. Oh, it's you. Or, well, it's about time you got home. Or you get one of these. You get no response. They know that you just came in. They're right there. The couch is right there. They're on the couch watching TV, doing whatever. They simply ignore your presence. Don't even say nothing. You can't even get off the couch. Can't even get off the couch and say, oh, I greet nothing. And I think a lot of it has to do with folks. We have been so conditioned to be not only self-centered, but to be extremely lazy. 
We can't even get off the couch. We're lazy, like this guy shares. Let's take a look. Lazy technology, the electric toothbrush. That always made me laugh. The electric toothbrush. What, is brushing your teeth too strenuous an exercise for some people? Got people going. feeling the burn here. Wish this thing had a motor on it. Why don't you just have electric deodorant? <laughs> the last year for Christmas, I got the laziest gift for my kids. They got me an alarm clock that projects the time onto the ceiling. Because you all know how hard it is to go. No, no, this has got to stop right here. This is why I need a Red Bull. This is taking it all out of me. Lazy. Have we become lazy or what? That's the tip of the iceberg, man. And here's the point. I'm telling you, just like the other one, instead of honoring your spouse above yourself is a side effect from our culture, so is this lazy, selfish, self-centered attitude, folks. Being lazy not only spills over into your daily life. Listen, I'm telling you, it spills over in your marital life. And sometimes it just shows up in just how you greet one another. You can't even get off the stinking couch. And I'm sorry to tell you, I know they're pretty nifty at coming up with all kinds of new technology, but you're going to have to greet your spouse the old-fashioned way. Okay, you're going to have to do it yourself. And listen, I want to fill in the blank for you. If you don't know where to start, okay, I'm getting off the couch. How do you do it? How do you greet your spouse? Well, I think it's pretty easy. But if you need some help, if you need a visual, if you need an example, then listen, I'm telling you, this works every single time. Pay attention to the family dog. I'll say it again, folks. Wiener dog lesson 1927. Okay, get a wiener dog, get spiritual. Pay attention to the family dog when you come home. Now, you can't do this with a cat because they're kind of snooty and they're doing their own thing. Get a, this a dog. It's a family dog, okay? Especially my wiener dogs. <laughs> right? Every time you come home, man, what does that dog do? At least my dogs. Woo! He's back! It's that guy! He's back! He came home! I can't believe he made it back again! Woo! He's back! It's the guy! They go nuts! They're crazy! They're jumping on you! They're licking you! They're going crazy! Ah! I kid you not, you can ask my wife. I, I go, oh, I come home and I went through that whole routine. They're going nuts and ballistic. The guy's back. The guy's back. Snack man or whatever they call me. And so, and so I, I go, oh, I forgot something in the car. I'll go right back in the car, get it out of the trunk, come back. I'm gone 60 seconds. I open the door. Guess what they do? He's back again. I can't believe it. And they just go nuts just the same amount of time. I'm telling you, they're awesome, okay? And listen, I'm telling you, folks, uh, it's the same thing in our marriage. It, is one of the, it doesn't cost nothing. It's one of the easiest ways to add spark to your marriage. Now, let me add another clarification. I'm not saying go home today and try this and jump off the couch and jump on your spouse and lick them like my wiener dogs do with me, okay? But, but listen, you, you might want to at least jump off the couch and listen... Truly say, I'm glad you're back. Good to see you. Give him a hug. Give him a holy kiss. Do something. It didn't cost anything. And it sure beats the alternative we get so many times. Oh. I'm just well done. But you get, I'm glad you're home. Isn't that awesome? And listen, listen. Don't do it just once in a while. Don't do it when you want something. Don't do it when you know you're in trouble. 
But do it consistently and you'll see consistent results. Martin Luther said this. Listen, this is awesome. He says, let the wife make the husband glad to come home and let him make her sorry to see him leave. Let the wife make the husband glad. I can't wait to get home because when I get home, I'm not saying she's a wiener dog. I'll get in trouble for that. (laughs) Man, who wouldn't want to come home to that? And then men, you're treating her so good that when you are home, oh, he had to go. General rule, okay? By the way, my wife's here today. Can I get a ride home to anybody? I'm just starting to get this signal. Um, anyway, but here's the whole point, folks. Listen, and can you imagine what would happen? Listen, listen, this is all we got to do. It doesn't cost nothing. But look, look at the effects of this. It's free. What would happen if we'd stop dogging our spouses as soon as they come home and start greeting them no better than the family dog does. Just switch that one thing around. What would that do? They probably would think you got bit by a dog or got rabies, but do it anyway, okay? Why? Because here's the rule. When we start giving special greetings to our spouse, they start feeling special. And when they start feeling special, it protects their heart from becoming shriveled. Why? Because listen, our actions, not just the words, our actions towards our spouse need to be uplifting, not degrading. Why? Because the path to a shriveled heart in your marriage, in your relationship, is your words, but it's also your behavior. It's how you honor or dishonor one another. The third way, uh, quickly, that that we can honor our spouse is simply by our acceptance. And isn't isn't that the game we always play? At least up until we get married. Oh, I love you, I accept you, every little ounce of you, you're so awesome. But secretly in the back of our brain, we're going, we've got this game plan going. I'm going to fix this, I'm going to fix that. Excuse me? That's hypocritical. In fact, Jesus talks about this tendency to uh, do that. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 is our text, uh, verses 1, 3, and 4. Jesus simply says, says, hey, knock it off. Stop judging others. Okay? And you will not be judged. <laughs> I mean, come on. Don't be a hypocrite. Well, why do you worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you've got this giant log in your own? In fact, how in the world can you even get this out of your mouth and think this? Uh, Let me help get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't even see past the log in your own. Okay? is what he's talking about there. Okay, this is what the scripture says, folks. The problem with not accepting somebody else, hello, especially your spouse, all of them, is that you're assuming, hello, you don't have any defects either, right? But here's the truth. Have you guys learned this one or not? Even as Christians, listen, we all have beauty, but we all have baggage. We all, all of us, we got beauty, great points, but we all got baggage. Now, let me clarify something. The Bible isn't saying we should gloss over another person's defects or things that do need to be worked on, okay? If you continue to read that text, we've talked about this before. It doesn't say you can't ever judge. It says get rid of your hypocrisy first, get rid of that log, then you can see how to truly help the other person. The point is don't be a hypocrite when you're making this judgment, okay? The Bible doesn't say to necessarily gloss over another person's defect. Listen, it does say you might want to apply some grace To this tendency, we have a tendency to point out all the things that we don't like in our spouse, but we don't ever deal with our own. And then half the time when we're pointing out the things that are, quote, wrong with our spouse, we won't even acknowledge what we need to work on. Complete hypocrisy. Now, here's the rule, folks. This is what happens. Your spouse might have 50 good qualities. And granted, they may have... Let's say six, six negative ones that maybe kind of bug you. 
Maybe it's that nasally, hog-like screech laughter they do. <laughs> Whatever. And you just put up with it. You're embarrassed. You try to leave the room. I'm not, it's not us. I'm just like, yeah, honey, I need to ride home. But uh, <laughs> it's just, you know, just something like that. Or just something that they do, you know, something that most likely is not necessarily sinful. It might be annoying, but it's probably going to be there till death do you part, okay? You might have 50 great qualities. You got six of these weird ones, okay? But here's the point. Listen, if all you do is look at, if all you do is focus on the six negative ones, even though they've got 50 great awesome things. Hello, you got married, didn't you? Something positive had to be there. Or have you forgot that? If all you do is look at the negative, the more negative you're going to feel towards your spouse and the more negative you'll feel about your marriage. That's how it works. It's not only detrimental. The scripture says you're being a hypocrite. What we read before you going around pointing out the sawdust in your spouse's life, you might want to deal with the logs in your own. Including maybe this hypocritical judgment of you always pointing out their few faults, overlooking all the fantastic, awesome things with them, and then never dealing with your own. Don't do that. Why? Because there's nothing worse than coming home to a critical, judgmental spouse who nitpicks you to death and refuses to deal with their own problems. Fortunately, there's a better way, and the Bible says this Jesus speaking, stop judging hypocritically and start accepting stop treating each other like junk why because we all have beauty and we all have baggage and so shall it always be until we get to heaven when we get rid of the sin nature okay now here's the point when we can finally get around to accepting all of our spouse not just the parts that we don't particularly like we've discovered the hidden treasure to a healthy marriage why because it works like this listen when we start giving special acceptance to our spouse they start feeling Special. And when they start feeling special, it protects their heart from becoming shriveled. Why? Because our acceptance towards our spouse needs to be biblical. It needs to be unconditional. Not hypocritical. Why? Because the path to a shriveled heart begins with your words, your behavior, and your acceptance. Learning to honor one another, I'm telling you guys, every single day, not just when you're in trouble, but to make it a way of life. Even to the point where I'm, it's top priority now. I, what did the text say? Above yourself. That's how important this is. When we do that, it protects our marriages from becoming those dry, stale relationships. And we just sit there and stare at each other at the restaurant. We don't even say a word. She's on her cell phone, checking Facebook, and he's reading the paper. That's how it happens. Why? Because if we don't honor one another from the start, it is going to lead to a shriveled heart. Every time we dishonor our spouse, we take the wind out of ourselves. We say, you are not valuable to us. You are not important. In fact, you're not even worthy for my respect. And the more this goes on, the more the heart begins to shrivel. The more the heart begins to shrivel. Internally, you can't see it. But all of a sudden, poof. Your marriage is dried up. And if you don't think this is a big deal, this honoring factor... Listen to this man's mistake. This is a wild thing. There's this uh, man who never, ever once, ever once opened the car door for his wife or any other woman, ever. He felt it was a sissy thing to do. And he was fond of this saying, well, she doesn't have two broken arms. I'll keep moving on. Anyway, so obviously, not only that, but he had horrible table manners and he was just, it, just he was, it was all unnecessary, whatever. That's just a bunch of sissy stuff. Then after years of being married... His wife died, 
And he was heartbroken because he really did truly love her. And so get this, man. They're at the funeral, but somehow, uh, as the pallbearers were bringing her casket out of the funeral service, the husband and uh, his family reached the hearse ahead of them. So they were there first at the hearse. Okay, the mortician, he was back a few feet. And since he knew the husband quite well, and he was right there next to the back of the hearse. Okay, he called uh, from the back out to him by name. And he says, hey, hey, will you open the door for her, will you? The man reached for the door handle on the hearse. And then for one second, he just froze. And he realized what he had done. He never opened a car door. He never honored his wife. Not even once in her whole life. Listen. Now in her death, it would be the first, the last, and the only time. And it says it was for him a moment when years of regrets came crashing down. And now it's too late. Don't wait until tomorrow to implement this biblical procedure. Honor your spouse today because tomorrow may be too late okay and folks this is the great news I, I, I listen you may be in one of those marriages that literally it's just it's dried up crusty rusty long gone and you're just coexisting sucking air in the same space and maybe you're thinking it's impossible i'm telling you folks it's not if you can just get back listen to following the scriptural example of honoring one another it can spring to life and it doesn't take that long you honor one another and you have to honor one another, listen, with your words, with your behavior, with your greeting, and, and with your acceptance. And you do that consistently, get back on track today, bang! All of a sudden, she starts feeling special about you. And you start feeling special about her. And then you start feeling special about your marriage. And the next thing you know, that dr dry, stale, crusty relationship has sprung to life again. And you know how much it cost you? If we can do that, then we're well on our way to having that marriage built to last. Amen? Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay? That's called lying. Okay? And if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay? 
The, the, another commandment says, you shall not steal. Okay? Uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right. And it demonstrates what God is trying to show us. That uh, we all have sin. And it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes... We're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, They certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer.
I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.